Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Luke 23, 43, we find the words, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is the second week of the series seven. We're taking uh, seven full weeks, um, and we are looking at the seven sayings from the cross, the seven words of Jesus from the cross as he's hanging there. And this is week number two. And so um, what I want you to do is let's put the, uh, those slides up. Father, forgive them. Uh, these are the seven sayings from the cross. And I'd love for you just to say them with me. So here we go. Father, forgive them. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Dear woman, here is your son. Here is your mother. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I am thirsty. It is finished. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. The seven sayings from the cross. We are, uh, this series is uh, inspired by gold from Golgotha. You'll not find this book on Amazon in, in a brand new form. It is out of print, has been for a long time. Uh, Russell Bradley Jones wrote it in 1945, and uh, it is a, an incredible book. If you can find it on eBay, buy it, and uh, you'll be better for it. So do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder why the cross? Why of all the ways that Jesus could have died? Did it have to be the cross? The most inhumane method that could have been created. But that is where Jesus hung. Why such barbarism? Do you ever wonder what you would have done if you would have been in the crowd? Can you place yourself there? Can you visualize yourself in the crowd this morning? Okay, if that's difficult, um, how about a public execution of more modern-day circumstances? My dad's 84 years old. And I, I, when I did a little work on this, I, I had to remember, he's 84, and two years before he was born, in 1936, August 14th, 1936, in Owensboro, Kentucky, Rainy Bethia was publicly executed in Kentucky by hanging. So maybe you can picture yourself 86 years ago as a very, very young child gathering with 20,000 other people to watch, to watch someone be publicly executed. Can you picture yourself there? 
in that moment. Now let me read Luke 23, 39 to 43. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. He said, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. We can look at what the criminal on the cross just said to Jesus, and we can look at that and go, that was his last call. That was his last call. That's the title of the message this morning, Last Call. Last call is uh, when you've been at the bar for too long. And the bartender says, last call, you get a choice. Uh, if you want another drink, you go get another drink. It's also your last, last call to go home sober. So you decide, and I know none of you know what I'm talking about, so... But it is last call, last call, don't delay. That's the kind of thing that's, that's yelled. Last call, don't delay, one more chance. It's the end of something. If I, uh, so we titled it, you know, it's titled Last Call. But you could also say it's opening day, opening day. If you have a subtitle, it might be opening day. We're finally getting opening day of baseball, April 7th. Yeah, any baseball fans in the room? Yeah, crazy. It's grand opening. Like, when we say it's opening day, it's everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross as he's hanging there. Not only was it a last call, but it was also opening day. In that moment, Jesus had just prayed. Remember last week? The words, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus had just prayed those, that prayer. And in the next breath, the thief on the cross says, remember me. And just like that, Jesus not only had just prayed a prayer, and now he answered a prayer. There were three crosses for three criminals. Jesus wasn't. That middle cross, that really wasn't supposed to be for Jesus. Barabbas. The ringleader, the insurrectionist, the murderer. He had received the death sentence. But Jesus went to the cross in his place. Jesus was the substitution for Barabbas and for us, for you and I. How did these other two guys get on the cross? The other two thieves. Do you ever wonder about that? We just kind of pass this detail by sometimes. But you know what? You got to be careful who you hang out with. Barabbas was the ringleader, apparently. And these two guys are probably just petty thieves along for the ride. But they're the ones that ended up on either side of Jesus. Proverbs 1 in the message translation says, 
hey, if bad friends tempt you, if bad companions tempt you, don't go along with them. If they say, let's go out and raise some hell, oh friend, don't give them a second look. Don't listen to them for a minute. They're racing to a very bad end, hurrying to ruin everything they lay their hands on. Careful who you hang out with. When you become the person that is no longer influencing that relationship, be careful who you hang out with. Barabbas goes free, Jesus hangs in his place. And while they're waiting to die, the criminals were subjected to all the, sh- the shame, the all, all, the, all the criticism and the mocking that was always heaped on them. Anyone that was crucified would always hear this. And as, as they're hanging there, they got all the usual. They heard all the usual. They heard the derision, the jeering, the mocking. And that was coming from the Pharisees and other religious people as they gathered around the foot of the cross. The soldiers began to fake worship, saying things like, hey, you always could save others. Why don't you save yourself and get yourself off that cross? Save yourself. And then you have the, 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 the thief that is the impenitent, impenitent one. That's hard to say, impenitent one. The one that is not repenting, the one that is angry. You have him on one side. And he's saying, yeah, if you are the Messiah, if you are the king, get yourself off. And while you're at it, get me off too. Get us off this cross. Set your own earthly kingdom up. If you're the king, because they saw the sign above the cross, above Jesus. Here is the king of the Jews. It was, it was as, a, as a point of mocking. It was a point of derision but it was a point of truth. Here hangs the king of the Jews. The one that was penitent, the one that was repenting, that thief, in the way that he spoke to Jesus, he was stay on the cross, stay on the cross and win a kingdom. Stay on the cross and win a kingdom. Not an earthly kingdom, but a permanent spiritual kingdom. See, we, we often express faith of some sort, you and I. The one criminal, just as we sometimes would, aren't you the Messiah? Why aren't you stepping in in this moment? Why aren't you, Jesus, moving on my behalf right now? Why can't I see you move on my behalf right now? It seems that the thief that was ridiculing Jesus had some idea that he had the power to come off that cross. He could call legions of angels to come and bring him, take him off of that cross, to release him, to set up an earthly kingdom. There was some faith that he brought to the mix that there would be an earthly kingdom possible. But the other thief, his faith was quite different. Whether or not he understood what was about to happen or not, he seemed to have an inkling that the goodwill of the king, of the Jews, was something that he would align himself with. Russell Bradley Jones wonders, 
if this is uh, really a recreation of the situation of Jesus in the wilderness temptation. Remember, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted in every way. And if Jesus is in this moment giving any weight to this decision ahead of him, this decision that was put in front of him, get yourself off the cross and get us off too, or to endure its shame. Vacillating between his divinity and his humanity. It is hard for me to imagine this, that God Almighty in the form of Jesus would vacillate between his divinity and his humanity, but he was fully human and he was fully God. And so if he was fully human, if he experienced everything that you and I experienced, then I suspect that it's not such a stretch to think that he might have been considering what the impenitent thief was begging for. Get off the cross, save yourself and us. Annihilate your enemies and set up your own kingdom here on earth. See, Satan had already tempted him in this way. Hey, worship me, he said, and I'll give you all of this. Worship me and I'll give you all of this. If you'll just do this one thing, if you'll just make a decision that is left of center here, I'll give you all of this. You're hungry, right? Well, turn this stone to bread. Eat your fill. Focus on yourself. Jesus hangs there. I like to think of Jesus as a multitasker. He's hearing, Father, forgive me. Forgive them. Or he's saying, Father, forgive them. And remember, it wasn't just, it was, a, it was an action verb. It wasn't one that it was just one and done. It was, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. On the other side, he's hearing, get me off of this cross. Get me off of this cross. And then he hears, remember me. Remember me. He's hearing this cacophony of noise all around him. What does he do? What does he do? What does he do? The thief, the penitent one, the one that is in the process of repenting. He too hears all of this noise. He hears the people shouting, the people mocking, the people jeering. And he also hears at the same time, Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And it's like something clicks inside the thief's mind. And he remembers hearing about Jesus. He remembers the daughter of Jairus being healed. He remembers the demon set into the herd of pigs. He's heard about Lazarus being raised. The woman of, that had constant bleeding for 12 years. He's heard about her being healed. He heard about dinner with Matthew and the tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And at some point, he makes a 180, and he, instead of cursing, he begins to worship. See, this is the accurate picture of, of straightforward salvation. It's simple. It's an honest request. It's not confusing. It's not complicated. It's simply, remember me. Remember me. Jesus says, I assure you, 
I assure you, you can depend on me. I will do it. I will remember you. Today, you will be in with me in my kingdom. See, when we hear this, if we're in the evangelical world very long, or it doesn't matter whether you're Orthodox or whatever your Christian uh, perspective is, there are certain things that we would say are sacramentalism. You got, you've got to do certain things in order, and in some uh, denominations, you have to do them in a certain order, but you for sure have to be baptized. You for sure have to take communion. You for sure have to go to church. You for sure have to repeat after me. And then you are saved. See, this act of Jesus in that moment does not negate the significance of all of those. Except that the thief on the cross didn't do any of them from everything we can read. And yet Jesus said today, I will see you in paradise. He didn't say you got to go to go down to the synagogue, go down to the church, get yourself wet, make sure you follow the 10 commandments, make sure you do all the right things. He simply said, remember me. And Jesus said, you got it. I'll do it. You can depend on me. What else do we see? We see that heaven is certain. Jesus says, I assure you, I pledge, I promise, I swear to you, I give you my word, my mind's made up. It's as if Jesus is saying, I will not fail you. I have determined to go through with it. I am going to see this through. We also see that heaven is near. Jesus didn't say, um, when you get out of purgatory, when you've paid the penance that is appropriate for your sin, then I will see you in heaven. He didn't say, I'll see you both, which sort of diminishes the idea of universalism, that all roads lead to heaven. He looked at the penitent one and said, today I will see you in paradise. See, last week we talked about what we leave on the table. That just because the pardon is presented doesn't mean that it is ours unless we receive it. We have to receive the pardon that is on the table. This day, this day of the crucifixion of Jesus, the day that literally changed everything. The day that we saw, that we see in our mind's eye, we see it in pictures, three crosses on Golgotha. One for a sinner, one for a savior, one for a saint. All died next to each other. So what do we conclude? This morning I would conclude that there are no hopeless cases. I don't care where you've come from or what you've experienced. There is no hopelessness in the house this morning. There's no need for it because the way of grace is the way of Jesus made clear by his death on the cross for us.
I would also conclude that we are in need of cleansing. That we need to get rid of those things in our lives that do not represent Jesus very well. That don't represent the way of Jesus. So we admit our sin. Romans 13, 11 says, this is all the more urgent for you, know how, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's time. It is time for you and I to stop playing around. When we are tempted to go our own way, when we are tempted to place ourselves above all else, when we're tempted to step out of commitments we've made, when we're tempted to step out of the places that we know we're supposed to walk into, we are going our own way. We are saying, my way is more important. My way is the way of life. When in fact, if we believe that, we once again are believing that deep, dark lie. This is not who God says we are. We are not independent of each other. We are, we are not uh, on our own. Somehow we're all connected. And somehow every step we take, every move we make, every time we decide that today I'm going to live for myself. Heck with everybody else. I'm doing what I want to do. That is subscribing to our own will and our own way. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit within us to lead the way. It's dangerous to delay. I've never been one to say, um, like to, to preach hellfire and brimstone. That's, that's kind of not what I do. But it is clear to me that some of us in the house this morning, those of you online, some of us simply are, are, are wasting time. We're not, uh, we're not doing a great job of sensing what time it is. I was in your shoes one day. I was in a place where I wasn't sensing what time it was. I just looked at the clock. <laughs> it's 11.07. It's all right. The time is significant. The time that you're living in right now, the time we're living in right now, it's significant and it's important. And it's important for us to realign ourselves, to step into the places God's called us to step into, to become the people he's called us to be, to not waste time over here or over here. Like we need to be straight looking forward, not being weighed down with all the the other stuff. Sooner or later, we got to start shedding things, getting them off. Would you stand with me? 
2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. See, eternal life never begins tomorrow. Eternal life is always today in the eyes of God. I'll say that again. Eternal life never begins tomorrow. It is always today in the eyes of God. Today is the day of salvation. It's the last call. The cross reveals a merciful God. We don't see a lot of mercy on Jesus on the cross, but because Jesus went willingly to the cross, we see a merciful God on us. At the cross, we discover a God who would die before killing his enemies. How do you feel about your enemies? Do you look on them with love? Remember, Jesus says, pray for your enemies, those who despitefully use you. Jesus went to the cross willingly because he would die before killing his enemies. The cross reveals God in Christ absorbing sin and recycling it into forgiveness. I love this. He absorbed the sin, recycled it into forgiveness. The cross is not what God inflicts upon Christ in order to forgive, but rather what God endures in Christ as he forgives. First John 4, 16. I'll pose this first as a question. Do you know how much God loves us? We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. The cross is a place of Christ's shame and our boasting. The cross is the place of our redemption. It's a place of the curse, and yet the curse was broken on the cross. And for us here, for those of us online, we get to be the people that walk in freedom because of the bondage of sin that was broken on the cross. We no longer have to live in a place of death and destruction, a place of feeling less than, of feeling incomplete. And instead, we live as people on the way, the Jesus way, the way that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
This is the Father speaking to us this morning. We must not continue to play games. The world is upside down in many respects. And I know that it is true, not in just in Ukraine and Russia that seems so far away, but it is true in your very own lives too, in my life. We are on guard. We must be on guard for our, our children, for our friends, our families. We must live in a place where we are not fearful. We have no need to be fearful. We live in a place with that, where we have confidence because it is God in us that gives us the power to move and breathe in our community and in our world in ways that bring life and redemption and restoration in every, every sphere of influence we have. But if today you have not said yes to Jesus, let me just invite you to do that. Let me just invite you to do that. It's, it's, uh, it's simply, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all you gotta say. There's nothing magic in the words. It is the movement of your heart. It is the movement of your mind that is opening yourself up to saying, today is the day of salvation for me. Today, I'm going to walk a different way. Do you pray with me? Um, somebody in the house might be really like fearful right now. <laughs> and I'm, a, I, I'm a often, uh, like I've been down this road a long time. Long time ago, I made a decision to follow Jesus 40 years ago. And somebody in the house this morning might be thinking, oh, what, what if? And I want to say, what if you don't? What if I do? What if, what if you don't? Like the significance of the moment is, cannot be overstated. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by saying yes to Jesus. And so I just invite you simply, all you gotta do, right where you are, Father, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you can depend that when you say that, that Jesus will honor that word. Jesus will honor that word, that request. He sees you. He is kind towards you. He is tender towards you. He loves you. Despite what you may have heard from other people, he loves you. Despite what you may have experienced in your own home with your dad or your mom, maybe you haven't experienced that kind of love that says, I don't care what you do. Like, I am for you. I'm not gonna toss you out. You're actually in when I say you're in. Father, I speak life and blessing over my friends in the house this morning, all of those online. 
God, I know that you're doing a, a good work, a good work in this space, in the house where the family's sitting on the couch. I know you're doing a good work. You're doing a really good work. Create in us clean hearts, Father. Clean hearts that come before you. We come before you with clean hands, renewed minds. We speak life and blessing over each one. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.